Hi, quick note before we jump in. If you've never seen ALF's special Christmas before, or if it's been a while, it deals with some pretty heavy stuff, like a child with a terminal illness, and even suicide. So just wanted to give you all a heads up before we jump in. And now the goofy alien with the jokes. Tonight on a very special episode of the Advent Calendar House, we watched the single most depressing Christmas special starring a wisecracking alien puppet of all time. It's 1987's ALF's Special Christmas. Remember ALF? He's back in podcast form. I sure am an ugly-looking thing Mike Westfall, and joining me is multi-qualified doctor scheduled to work on Christmas Eve in both the terminally ill children's ward and labor and delivery, it's Jeff Sumaji. Hey, Jeff. Oh, well, Mike, now it's good to be here. It's my best Willie. Willie. Oh, boy. I don't know what you're talking about. Depressing? I laughed from beginning to end, <laughs> but I I got a lot of my own stuff going on, so maybe that says more about me than about this special. Oh, boy. Was, I, go ahead. You know, you go right ahead. Ask me a question. I was just going to ask, was, was this your first time watching this? <laughs> that is something that I asked myself as I was watching this. Uh... <laughs> Because I I did not remember this at all. Um, And, you know, no spoilers about how absolutely depressing this show is or or what it entails. But um, as as a kid, I I definitely had an overwhelming fear of death. Uh, Like I would go to bed every night thinking that I would wake up to find my parents dead. Okay. Um, Like. Yeah, like no fooling. Like it was a really strong thing. Uh, so I like as I realized that and as I realized that I would have been 10 about the height of my anxiety about my parents' mortality is when this this special would have aired. So I'm pretty sure I blocked this one out to psychologically save myself. I must have uh, too because I went right? through a similar but not quite the same thing. But like things like all dogs go to heaven scare mm-hmm. the bejesus out of me. Yeah. This is – this was – and it still is as someone that, you know, used to have – I mean, it's not like the fear of death or our own mortality really ever abates as we get older. Uh, you know, it goes away maybe for the 20s when you feel like nothing can touch you. But as you start to then creep up, as I said, I was 10 and 87, so I'm now entering into my 40s, and the fear of death is coming back. This is still a pretty traumatic show to watch yeah. even though it's for kids. I mean – it's a it's a big bowl of sad with a side of poached cat. Yeah, there, I mean, it touches on all of the worst fears. <laughs> like, I mean, just suicide, death, uh, being lost, uh, you name it. It's got it. It's 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 great fear juice to get you fueled up. I guess. Yeah. Well, let's give a little background here. Alf Special Christmas was an hour long special that prepared. That premiered December 14th, 1987, as what people now refer to a as a mid-season finale uh, in the middle of season two hmm. of the series on NBC. Uh, but one of the main plot points involves Alf meeting a terminally ill little girl named Tiffany. and The most 80s of names. Of course. Uh, and being one of her 
only means of comfort on what looks to be her last Christmas. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not what looks to be her last Christmas. They make it absolutely clear that this <laughs> is right. her last Christmas. Yeah. There is no last minute reprieve. There is no unsurety of it this little girl that we have come to know and love is most certainly dead today oh not the actress i'm sure the actress is still alive well let's let's bring that up the uh if you like i was wondering how does a heavy concept like comforting a dying child on christmas eve end up on the tv show with the fuzzy alien puppet with the jokes Tiffany in this episode is based on a real-life eight-year-old girl named Tiffany who had leukemia, and her dying wish was to meet Alf. Oh, no! Oh, yes. No! No! (laughs) Let me explain. So the man behind Alf, Paul Fusco, couldn't make it in person in time, so the Make-A-Wish Foundation set up a video conference call where Alf could meet Tiffany, and that was taped... And that tape made it to the desk of the president of NBC at the time, Brandon Tartikoff. Uh, So this appears to be all his fault that he decided, oh, "Oh, this would make a powerful Christmas special. Wow. I I mean, the only way, I guess, so that answers the question of could this special have been more depressing? And the answer is yes, they could have just shown that tape (laughs) live on TV, just run that. For all of us to watch. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say that her dying wish was to meet Alf. And so they cast her as Tiffany in this. And I was going to be like, whoa. Actually, at the very end of the special, they have a sort of in memory of this Tiffany Lee Smith, uh, Mm. who was eight years old and died that earlier that year in 1987. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, that uh, that doubled down on the depression for me. Yeah, well, uh, that story came out in 2017 uh, by <laughs> yeah. Yahoo, speaking of things from our ancient past. <laughs> sure. Did a whole story of it on the 30th anniversary of this episode. But to find <clears throat> out how Alf met a dying child, we first have to take it back to the Tanner family's long car trip to a remote <laughs> cabin in the mountains with no electricity and water from a well pump. Mm-hmm. Jeff, have you ever spent Christmas in the woods with no power? Uh, thinking, thinking. You would think that if I had, it would spring to mind. But as we've already learned from this, uh, I, I probably – because, again, uh, I probably blocked this out. And and I know I probably did because I loved ALF and I couldn't imagine missing an ALF thing. So we already know – that I have a propensity for blocking things out that make me uncomfortable. And spending Christmas in a cabin with no electricity and no running water would be a nightmare of mine. So I may have blocked that out as well. I should probably write to my parents because this does sound like something that, well, at least my mom would have loved to have done. Like, oh, it'll be so rustic. It'll be like, you know, simpler times. (laughs) Like when people died of dysentery, it would be fun to go to a... (laughs) A cabin. Um, So the idea is that Willie wants his family to experience, based on the story he tells, he wants his family to experience what I like to term poverty Christmas, but (laughs) with presents because he tells the stories like we got thrown out. I'm not going to do Willie anymore. 
We got thrown out, and this guy George heard about it, and he let us stay in the cabin, and we didn't have gifts, we didn't have anything, and it was like the greatest time of my life. And like any parent who thinks that they want their child to relive their childhood because they idealize it, uh, decides to do the same. But he doesn't. He doesn't go whole hog. They still bring presents up, as we learn later when. Alf causes hijinks and shenanigans with that. Uh, have you ever spent uh, a cabin in the woods type scenario for Christmas? Uh, not for Christmas. I remember staying in a cabin at some point in the summer, and I couldn't tell you where it was. Somewhere in New Jersey that had cabins. Closest I've come to it was my family used to spend Thanksgiving in the Poconos, but we had electricity and water because it was the Poconos. Right, yeah, and you need the water to fill those champagne glass-shaped <laughs> tubs. That's all I remember about the Poconos. It's not not that part of the Poconos. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. It was more like no, uh, no. It was like oh. someone's house. Oh, all right. All right. It wasn't like the uh, adults-only type places that they used to show on TV. Not that I know of. I was a kid. Do you, do you remember those? Like that was like a oh, huge yeah. part of, of my life growing up was just <laughs> being fascinated about these commercials about like, oh, champagne tubs and and all this. It, it looks so great. It looks so adult. And I just thought like one day I'm going to be old enough to go on a retreat with someone who might love me to one of these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got to do it. <laughs> Something in some way, cool. shape or yeah. form. Yeah. I think I've only driven through the Poconos. Yeah. <laughs> I went to college in the Poconos, so there uh, was there was some sort of alcoholic beverage that might have been in the tub at some point. Right. You were bathed in alcohol for most of that time, just yeah, like yeah. those people on the commercial <laughs> Uh One thing that struck me about this special, uh, you know, because uh, immediately they after they get to the cabin, it is established how annoying Alf is. Yes. Right. So do, were we just fooling ourselves that he was fun or is this written so that he is more super annoying? Like, is this typical elf? I haven't seen the show since uh, the 80s, probably. I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, hmm. at what, let's sum up quickly for those who are either not too familiar with Alf's backstory or it's been a long hmm. time. Alf is an acronym for alien life form. Right. He's from the planet Melmac. He crash landed on Earth. His real name is Gordon Shumway. But in what Jeff, you once called a study of human ignorance, the Tanner family who took him in only ever calls him Alf. Yeah, it's really weird. He has a name and it is just they are willfully calling him Alf repeatedly. Uh, and in this episode, we come to find later when he introduces himself to Tiffany, uh, the dying little girl. He introduces himself as Alf, which means that he has been exposed and 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 worn down enough by the Tanner family that he no longer remembers his given name oh, and will just go by the human name of Alf. Well, he he does bring it up later, but we'll get to he that. does. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. As an alien from another planet, he's still trying to figure out everything surrounding Christmas. So his opening of everyone's gifts as part of the annoyance here. Uh, before mm -hmm. Christmas morning, can and should be pardoned by not understanding how any of this works. See, but I, I feel like it goes – it's not a fish-out-of-water scenario here. Like, this isn't the first time he's encountered a gift. He should know not to open them. It's, it's more a, of a study in willful ignorance at this point for me. And I think that's what 
really bothered me right off the bat. You know, I mean, this is, I'm now, I'm now 30 years older looking at Alf through old man eyes (laughs) who, you know, if someone acts like this around me now, I'm leaving. I'm just walking away from them. And at the time, I'm sure I found him delightful. But so he, he delves into this kind of willful ignorance of like, well, how was I supposed to know? And it's it's like you're not an idiot. You're just an alien. Like if we went to another planet and we just like started picking stuff up and throwing it on the ground and being like, how was I supposed to know I couldn't just throw that against the wall? Like, no, just have some – well, I was going to say human decency, but he's, he's definitely not <laughs> human. Um, but I think the Tanners also enable this behavior a lot oh, because clearly. they treat him like a child and forgive him like a child and just like there are no repercussions really for Alf. Like Willie should really be like, do that again and we're kicking you out and they're going to dissect you. Like that's it. Like <laughs> like the Tanners have all the hand here, but yet they keep like bending over backwards for this space man child, star man child, I guess. Uh, it just it, – it was it was immediately infuriating to me. <laughs> It was really funny because it started out and I was going to be like, oh, this is going to be a really annoying hour. Little did I know it was actually (laughs) going to be the depressing hour. That's only the first five minutes. And then we uh, go completely take a left turn. But it's tough to pinpoint Alf's exact knowledge level of Christmas because as we open this episode, which gets its own special cold open, no usual theme song or credits here, but you see the Tanners driving up through the mountains as Alf cheerfully sings a version of the 12 Days of Christmas song, but he's on the 82nd day of Christmas. Yeah. I'm talking about 82 cats of frying, 81 cats of broiling. <laughs> yeah. On the 82nd day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 82 cats of frying, 81 cats of broiling, 80 cats of baking, Enough, 79 Alf. cats of toasting, 78 cats of boiling, Enough. 77 cats of sizzling, 76 cats of poaching. Fine. Not only are we spending Christmas in some desolate cabin with no running water, we're not allowed to sing. You can sing, just don't sing about you know what. What? Roasting cats. <laughs> I didn't say roasting. I said frying, boiling, baking. You know what we mean. Right, right. No cat songs. This is, it's the 1987 precursor to Bubba explaining to Forrest Gump all the ways you could prepare for <laughs> It's true. And I think, imagine this is your first episode and oh, you're, you're not seeing any characters. You're seeing the outside of a car and you just hear a voice singing about boiling, uh, frying, <laughs> fricasseeing cats. Like... I'm sure that there were a lot of adults who reached for the TV guide and was like, is this the right channel? Is this, are we, what are we watching here? Yeah. That's a great new perspective. Wow. <laughs> I but mean, the, you, yeah. it presupposes, you know, a lot about Alf going into this, you it know? Does. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind that Alf does indeed know at least 82 ways to mm. cook a cat. Uh, but mm-hmm. there is no way he sang all 81 of those previous verses, right? I don't know. What we know from him in the first five minutes is that he is super annoying and can't be shut up. <laughs> but, well, and I think maybe as a kid, that's what I loved about him is because, you know, he was annoying, but he got laughs and no one shut him up. And I think that is like the sweet spot for a 10-year-old. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. 
So. Did you idolize Alf as well? I'm sorry not to cut you off. I just I want to know where on the Alf spectrum you land. I wouldn't say idolize, but I was all in on Alf. I watched mm. Alf Tales when that was on Saturday mornings. I watched this. I had a friend whose answering machine she had recorded <laughs> from the uh, Talking Alf Storytime cassette tape, and that was just her answering machine message. <laughs> what did it say? Oh, he started singing a song. He's just like, what's a but? I'm going to. It's got to be on YouTube. Once upon a time on Melmac, in the good old days of yore, there were enchanted blurps and wicked old snurps hanging out behind the dungeon door. <laughs> it starts something like, yo, kiddo, it's me. Have I got a story to tell you? And she just played it. And that was her 30-second leave me a message <laughs> message. Uh, I have to say that uh, your Alf was a little Andrew Dice Clay, so oh, no. I, I was like, "Do we need to put an explicit tag on this? Was it going to be like Willie? There once was a man from Nantucket. Oh, he ate a cat. I don't know. <laughs> like, I can't do, I can't do Alf either. So uh, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, I hear my voice back when I record these. I'm just like, wow, I can't do any impression well. <laughs> I love that concept. Keep but. working on it though. Like don't give up. No. Like you, you got to push through that barrier and right. you'll 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 get you'll get there. Okay. So, he knows enough about Christmas to come up with 82 alternative verses to the 12 days of Christmas. He knows yeah. enough that shopping is involved because he switches all the name tags of the wrapped gifts to from Alf. Mm-hmm. But right, he, he knows that the the from yeah. is important and enough to change it to his own name. Right. So, see willfully ignorant He's hiding behind the fact that he's an alien, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so he opens all the gifts. He's wearing a sweater going for the Perry Como look. But it yeah. takes Kate a few seconds to realize that's the sweater she got Willie for Christmas. And he's wearing that because he looked silly wearing Kate's new robe, which he tells Willie he put next to Brian's new bicycle. And now everybody knows what they're getting for Christmas. And Willie yeah. gets to the point where he's so irate he... Oh, not yet. No, we're there. there. Yeah, no. Isn't this where he sends him out? Not just yet. Oh, right. Because he's not, he hasn't been annoying enough yet to send him out of the house. (laughs) No, but, uh, but Alf trying to make the best of a powerless cabin now kind of dies it down a little and decides to offer a a festive holly leaf to Willie. But Brian, a learned Boy Scout, identifies it as poison oak. Well, that's the poison oak leaf that breaks out into a rash on the top of the camel's back because Willie then sends Alf outside to take the leaf far, far away from the cabin. And he does that sad little walk. But my dad mode kicks in like the faster you get done without throwing a fit, the faster you'll be back here and all will be forgotten. Mm. Well, how come the poison oak didn't it wasn't like Chekhov's Poison Oak. If you want to use Poison Oak in the third act, you have to show it yeah. in the first. He didn't – Willie didn't even contract Poison Oak. He was just like, is this Poison Oak? Oh, no. Oh, no. And then he tried to rinse his hands off. But throughout the rest of the episode, he wasn't covered in Poison Oak. It was a thing that was just forgotten. So, you know, not only is this uh, an annoying episode, not only does it become a depressing episode, but it doesn't have even have internal consistency. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> I just want this noted for that when I finally rate how highly I love this special in the end, uh, you'll know all my reasons why. I'm glad you pointed out Chekhov's Poison Oak. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Doesn't come back. 
And it's at this point that George shows up. Is that, is that do I have the timeline right? Uh, that is correct. Mr. Okay. Foley, Willie calls him, the house's owner, to check and see if they need anything. He's on his way to deliver a truck full of toys he repaired to a local hospital for Santa Claus to give to sick kids there. And this guy is miserable. Like, and I don't mean he seems depressed. He seems like a miserable person. He's seems grumpy and grouchy and not happy when he smiles. It just seems insincere. Uh, I know that they were trying to foreshadow that he is uh, in pain and tormented and sad, but he just comes off kind of as a jerk. I don't know if you felt that way as you were watching this like I did. Probably not because I mm. had the – I remembered what happened. Oh, uh, so, you had prior knowledge. Right. So maybe the last time I did, I'm just like, some, something's off here. But mm. uh, so off, in fact. George Foley is his full name. I couldn't put my finger on it but at the time, but I finally looked up who the actor is behind it. Do you recognize him? No, it's I didn't. Cleveland Little, best known as Sheriff Bart from Blazing Saddles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he's older here, but I sure. think it's a lot of old man makeup that they added to him. Um, hmm. Uh, well, we, I don't know. I mean, Blazing Saddles, when did that come out? Uh, 74, I think. So that's Four, only so 13 15 years. years? That's uh, 13 years. A lot can happen to a body in 13 years. Yeah, I know. Maybe he just looked really good for his age. Yeah, I know. Could be. <laughs> Maybe he just looked really good for his age back in the Blazing Saddles, and so he just kind of caught up to his real age. At, oh. at this. So, yeah, he has an old-timey truck full of toys, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and Alf decides to sneak into it because, as we know, he likes opening gifts, and he hears the word gift. And after being upbraided by Willie for opening gifts – he wants to go and open more gifts that aren't his. So see, again, willful ignorance. He should have learned his lesson and known not to open other people's gifts, but he is lured into the back of a van with the promise of all these gifts. <laughs> well, to his merit, as he's going through the gifts in the back of the van, he's kind of looking just like, oh, this would be good for Brian or mm. this would oh, so be he's great for steal. Kate, but I'll give it right. to Lynn. Yeah, he's he's on to thievery now, but <laughs> – so he's learned not to open gifts. Now he's on to stealing gifts to give to other people. Sure. All right. A real Robin Hood is this alien. Yes. Well, we find out as soon as Kate asks how Mrs. Foley is, he quietly responds, well, we mustn't keep Santa waiting. And he heads out of there. He hands Willie an envelope and tells him not to open it until Christmas morning. And right before he pulls away... Here comes the kicker. His wife, Margaret, had died two weeks ago, and he hadn't had the time to write everyone. Yeah. So yeah. that's why he's so miserable. Well, yeah. unbeknownst to Mr. Foley, Alf's in the back of the truck checking out all the toys. So that's how he gets to the hospital, having mm. no choice but to sit motionless among the pile of toys, yeah. passing off himself as a stuffed animal, which George, now dressed as Santa Claus for the kids at the hospital, goes out of his way to call a funny-looking thing with big, ugly ears and eyes a few times. Yeah. It's it's interesting that they cut right from George driving off to George pushing the cart of toys because it really allows them to get around the fact that George had to pick up Alf body bodily and move him onto this pile of toys. Surely someone would have recognized that the thing was breathing or weirdly warm 
perhaps well, dripping from not. places. Appar- I don't. I don't know how his anatomy works. Mm. So he certainly seems to be able to shut himself off conveniently, mm-hmm. almost as if he were a puppet. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the animus can be pulled right from him, and he just goes like stone cold. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. So essentially what we're headed towards here is a doll comes to life scenario, right? Yeah. And I find it interesting that that scenario is both workable for a heartwarming story about uh, the Christmas spirit as well as horror movies. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, neat. it's neat that it's so interchangeable. You don't really get a trope that's that interchangeable, you know. But I mean I guess Cabin in the Woods, very interchangeable mm. for Christmas as well as horror. <laughs> I think what I'm saying is that there's a lot more to horror uh, in Christmas than we think. <laughs> it's like two sides of the same coin exactly yeah. santa satan you get it the oh, whole dear. deal oh. <laughs> well speaking of santa here i like that you know george as we mentioned is cleveland little and black santa looks just right in whatever version of 1987 this takes place in you know i will say that for a special taking place in 1987 i was pleasantly surprised yeah. by the amount of diversity in this show, I mean, there it like George, the main character, uh, African American, the doctor in charge of the hospital as well. Uh, it's it, it, it's it's more diverse. I know, and I said that's like two characters, but even with that, but it, that's more that's more in in a show that only has six characters. Right. Um, this is the only more, doctor we see in that hospital. Right. And and like, nope, I don't know, name. Name another uh, name another Christmas special that's come out in the last five years that is as diverse as this. Like turn on the Hallmark Channel and it's just wall to wall white guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was I was very pleasantly surprised uh, at their casting choices. I, I that was uh, that's a really big thumbs up in my book. For yeah, this. and and no kid bats an eye. It's Santa. He's there because it's Christmas Eve and he has toys. All is as it should be. Right. And they didn't even play it for laughs. Like they didn't nope. have the one like jerk dying kid who's like, you don't look like Santa. They no jokes about it. It was normalized. It was great. It was abso- absolutely great. And here is where we meet Tiffany, played by young actress Carrie Houlihan. She doesn't appear to still be acting, but as a kid, she was Molly in Our House, playing younger sister to Shannon Doherty and granddaughter to a younger, healthier, slightly less Quaker Oats-filled Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I remember that show. <laughs> Wasn't that the one where the father was the greatest American hero? Uh, possibly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, very uh, striking. I remembered it growing up uh, because Wilford Brimley's character in that was diabetic and they were out on the range riding horses. And uh, the father, I think, didn't know that he was diabetic at the time because he, like, just moved in with them. And he started to, like, slip off the horse. And that's when he realized he was diabetic. And I didn't know what diabetes was at this time. And then the greatest American hero tried to shove a Snickers bar into Wilford Brimley's mouth. And I was like, I guess that's what <laughs> diabetes is. Okay. I guess it means you get to have a Snickers bar. Hope I get diabetes someday. <laughs> Little did I know. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, Carrie Houlihan also lent her voice to a bunch of Charlie Brown specials and shows in the 80s as Marcy. Oh. Uh, and that's the same time when we had Fergie playing Sally. Oh, really? Oh, you didn't so, know that? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. So do you think they were like best friends at the time? It was like I, I don't know how voice acting works. So it's mm. not like, like, like her and Kids Incorporated, whether uh, or not they're there, so. 
All right, they weren't hanging out at like the commissary, being like, "Well, what are you, uh, what are you recording for? I got twelve of those Charlie Brown specials coming up. <laughs> They're like smoking cigarettes. They're eight, you know, eight year old. <laughs> it's not, probably not far off. Yeah. But <laughs> Tiffany here is one of the last kids to get a toy, and of the few left on Santa's sleigh, she chooses Alf, rebuking Santa's comment that he's an ugly, funny-looking thing by declaring, "I think she's beautiful." Mm, yeah, then that misgendering gets a laugh. Uh, so, yeah, we, it's a. Uh, no, we were doing so well when we got the Black Santa, and then yeah. we have Alf refusing. You know, he uh, he plays his cover just long enough for him to get up into Tiffany's hospital room, and when she brings out the pink earrings, he's like, "Hold it, this is where yeah. I draw the line." Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, even as an alien from outer space, there are certain gender norms that he has to conform to. And he says, my name is Alf and blue is my color. I'm a boy, which is a terrible lesson, even in 1987. <laughs> like, oh, um, so, yeah, then uh, he. Uh, he talks to her a little bit about uh, like he's been separated from his family. And at this point he knows that she's sick. Um, I don't think she has revealed that she's dying, but he essentially, no, I think he does because uh, essentially through what he says to her is he doesn't say this direct quote, but to, to sum it up, he goes, you, a dying girl have to help me, a healthy alien, find my way home. <laughs> which I found very strange. Like you're in a hospital with a dying girl and he's like, you have to help me. I'm like, no, Alf, no, <laughs> you're not going to ask the terminally ill kid to help you in any way, shape or form. I well, found that a little strange. He hasn't had that change of heart yet. That's uh, true. But That's true. He explains the situation and tells Tiffany he needs um, help. So Tiffany finds Santa to exchange him for a plain old teddy bear, and Alpha's back on Santa's sleigh as George gets ready to leave. But first, he has another envelope to give to the doctor, who appears to be the only one on duty on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Really yeah. generous holiday policy they have at the hospital there. Right. Only one person works, but they work everything. He's yeah. the surgeon, he's the delivery doctor, everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, his name is Dr. Willoughby, and he is played by Carl Franklin, who's probably best known from the 70s sci-fi series The Fantastic Journey, where mm. he was also a doctor, Dr. Fred Walters. Mm. He's more of a director these days. He's directed a handful of episodes of House of Cards, 13 Reasons Why, and The Leftovers, among a bunch of others. Yeah, cool. So the doctor and Mr. Foley get talking about Tiffany, who really wanted to see Santa tonight because one of the other kids told her he wasn't real. And George asks, what did you tell her? And the doctor shows him a copy of, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Right. Which, Which is later. every adult's, uh, like, escape clause from talking about Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have kids, but I, I'm assuming that having that poem around or that letter around from the editor of, of the newspaper is a godsend for when your kids ask you, you could be like, well, here's this BS that I can lay on you to kind of delay <laughs> this, to, to delay this trauma, traumatic event. You know, oh, I'm not quite there yet with my kids. My oldest, uh, by the time this comes out is eight. Mm. So, but you got to get that letter ready. Man, because yeah, I think around so. eights when they start to get a little suspicious and then when they directly ask you, you're going to whip out that letter. <laughs> I think when we tell her, we're just, it's just like, all right, you're in on the secret. Now you have to help us. 
Right. <laughs> right. Now you have to propagate this lie to other people. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a rite of passage. You know, you uh, get duped by the lie and then you get brought in. It's a real Illuminati situation. <laughs> um, well, I, one thing I want to roll back a little bit because okay. I think before Alf uh, gets back on the truck, doesn't he's like sitting by Tiffany and she's going to go to sleep. No, this comes, this comes okay. next right now. Okay. Uh, the doctor reveals to George, that Tiffany wanted to see him because of the whole Santa thing. But then he says, there's nothing I can do to help her. This, mm-hmm. What do you say to a little girl who won't see another Christmas is the line. Right. And then Alf hears that and sneaks back up to Tiffany's room to keep her company. Wish her a Merry Christmas. Right. And, and, oh my God. So it was at this point. So he knows, we all know that she is terminal and, and like, this is it. She knows knows too. And so Alf goes up and nicely sits with her as she, what I thought was, we just watched a little girl die on TV. That's what I thought too. She asked, can you stay with me until I fall asleep? And they get talking. Uh She asks about. What was Melmac life? Do you miss it? Uh, he says it was his whole world, and he misses all his friends. And uh, Tiffany tells him, I'm going to be headed to another world soon, and I'm really scared. Uh, and she shows him a drawing she made of the two of them, and Alf notices, oh, you drew wings on yourself. This is me? Pretty good, huh? Well, where's my nose? I didn't have enough room on the page. <laughs> Who's this? Me. Can't you tell? You're wearing wings. Uh-huh. You're not from the planet Bungarea, are you? No. I'm from Earth. The wings are just... They're beautiful. And here are all my feelings. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was rough. That was a rough scene, uh, especially because there was nothing really to clue us into the fact that no, she just fell asleep. She didn't die. Uh, right. But I mean, does that even does that even like reduce the impact? Because we know that okay, she might not have died this very second uh, in front of our eyes, but she's definitely terminal. And like, sure, this we is, don't know that uh, until later, right? Oh, boy. Yeah, but the last thing we hear is Alf reassures Tiffany by explaining how... But when I came to this world, I made new friends. Like, like the people I live with. And you, Tiffany. And I discovered a lot of things on this world that we didn't have on Melmac. Like what? Like, uh, pavement and, uh, silverware. What about Christmas? I don't really have a handle on Christmas yet. People get uptight about presents. That's because they just don't know. Know what? Christmas isn't about presents. It's about giving of yourself. That's what Santa Claus said. After meeting you, I know what he means. Yeah, yeah. 
So that this means that she's going to die and go to Melmac, right? Is oh, that, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's going to be she's going to meet up with all the people that died when Melmac exploded. It's oh. going to be her and them, and it'll be reverse Alf. Okay, they want to reboot Alf. This is how you do it. Perfect. You take Tiffany, perfect, who died. She wakes up on Melmac, surrounded by puppet people. We got it. All right, NBC, give me a call. All right, start writing it. Okay. <laughs> and then right as he leaves, we see a rare tear in a puppet's eye. And I love any time someone can make a puppet look like it's actually crying in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that appears to be the end of part one of this. Part two begins with a very nervous new dad-to-be rushing into the hospital with everything he needs for the birth of his new baby, except, you know, for his already-in-labor wife. Yeah. Was this necessary? I mean, was the whole birth thing necessary? Like, this this whole to-do about her, and then they get her in, and they're talking to the doctor, and there's a joke about, oh, we need a sedative, and it's like, it's for the husband, not you. It's like, it just kind of felt like this weird shoehorned-in thing. I don't know, like... We needed what, something... We needed a redemption angle for Alf, and here it is, and we'll get to that uh, later. Okay. But this is filler just to stretch this out into what is in reality two episodes that make up one big long special, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they could have, I don't know, put in yeah. another a song or something. Ooh, yeah, well, <laughs> that would have been fun. But as our overly nervous new dad, it's Glenn Withrow, a.k.a. Tim Shepard, one of the greasers in The Outsiders. Oh, wow. And this is a who's who of like, oh, hey, that was someone? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot of like I had to do some digging. And I'm like, all right, what do I know this one? The mom is Molly Hagan, whom I recognized from the Chuck Norris crime drama movie Code of Silence. Oh. But she was also Angel, the sensitive portion of Herman's head. Mm-hmm. You yeah, rec- she, I recognized her, but I couldn't. I've never watched Herman's Head, mm. uh, but I must have recognized her either from the commercials for Herman's Head or something else that she was in. And I went through IMDb and I couldn't really nail down where I knew her from, but I saw her and I was like, oh, you look very familiar. She I knows. just – I didn't – maybe I didn't recognize her because I don't know her as being pregnant. Okay. But she was very pregnant in this one. Yeah, people look different when they're pregnant. It's true. <laughs> Well, as the couple enter the hospital, they're talking to Dr. Willoughby, who is still the only doctor on duty. <laughs> yeah. Really seems to be the only medical professional in this entire hospital at the moment, besides one other nurse we saw earlier. Do you think this is actually a real hospital, or do you think this is just like a scam that Dr. Willoughby set up to have people <laughs> just come to? And he's like, yes, I'm the doctor for everything here. I'll take care of it all. I don't know how far it is from, like, the mountain cabin, so it could be. It could be just mm-hmm. some, some remote emergency hospital. But <laughs> It's next door to the cabin. It's actually not that far at all. <laughs> Uh, but they put the mom, Denise, on a hospital bed on wheels under which Alf happened to be hiding while trying Uh-oh. to sneak back out. Yeah. And amid some kind of mild chaos, Denise is left alone in an elevator, which, of course, gets stuck by the laws of physics inside the expanded St. Elsewhere snow globe universe connecting every <laughs> television show ever created. Right. I'm a Western, yeah. I'm familiar with these things. <laughs> Well, the doctor has a co-worker go look for George to help fix the elevator since the maintenance crew also has a really nice uh, holiday plan going on. They, yeah. They're all gone for the night. It's Christmas Eve. Right. Uh, 
but they're not expecting anyone to need help or medical no. attention or anything. Yeah, again, it is remote wilderness. Maybe maybe these are the only people around, maybe. you know. Uh, yeah. But speaking of TV universe timing, this of course is the exact moment when Denise's labor intensifies. So it's up to Dr. Gordon Chumway, mm-hmm. who emerges from under the hospital bed in full scrubs. Yeah. Never mind that he doesn't know exactly where babies come from. Right. Uh, he, <laughs> he tells Denise, we're stuck in an elevator. Now is not the time to question my credentials. <laughs> there was a, a very funny moment. I, maybe it was the delivery when uh, he asked, I think he was like, what's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, or something yeah. like he was like trying to diagnose her and I and I thought like his delivery was very funny in that moment and it was uh, it was a nice light-hearted moment in this weird scene uh, that's sandwiched between all this depression so maybe I was just looking for any laugh I could get at this point now just relax while I get You're a, a few... doctor uh, yes uh, uh, from Melmac the uh, Melmac uh, <laughs> clinic in Minneapolis I never heard of it uh, Denise we're stuck in an elevator here. Now is not the time to question my credentials. Now I suggest you calm down, okay? Okay. Good. Now, uh, what seems to be the problem? The problem? I'm gonna have a baby. I see. Did you get a second opinion? Hey, hey, just covering myself on this malpractice issue. Yeah, real real topical. I think, I feel like in the mid-80s, there was a lot of malpractice jokes. Was malpractice yeah. new in the 80s or something? Or were, just, or were people just suing more for malpractice Maybe malpractice point? lawsuits were new. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, because you used to trust your doctor, you know? Be like, oh, well, he must have yeah. done the best he could. But once the 80s came and it was all about the me generation and power brokers... They're like, I'm going to get rich off of this. You still see a lot of commercials for that when you're homesick watching The Price is Right in soap operas. Mm-hmm. Right. Did, did your doctor mess up? Call me. We'll mess him up. <laughs> <laughs> so the baby is delivered, and so Alf names the baby? Yeah, well, at first, first you hear the first sounds of the newborn babies crying from outside as the dad and the doctor are trying to get to the elevator from the stairwell somehow, you know, the opposite of the elevator. <laughs> they meet up somewhere, right? Doesn't the elevator become stairs at some point in a building? I don't know. How I thought that was works. escalator, but yeah, I don't know. But dad calls out to his son, Sam, Sam. So he's got this name in his head, but as Denise hmm. reveals, it's actually a girl. She tries to think of a pretty name, and of course, of course, Alf suggests... How about Tiffany? Tiffany? That's a nice name. See, if they had Sam picked out, you would think she would have been like, well, then we'll just go with Samantha. Right, but... You know? But Tiffany sticks here, and a legacy is created. Yeah. And Denise thanks Alf for his help, uh, and he thanks her back... And here's where his heart has grown three sizes, saying she's given him the gift of understanding what Christmas is really all about, not by getting gifts, but giving something of yourself to others. Did you have a moment of panic thinking that we were going to find out that our Tiffany, the dying girl, had died at that exact moment of birth? Absolutely, I did. I'm glad you also did. 
Because <laughs> oh, I, I was like, oh, well, it's nice that she has the same name. Oh, no. <laughs> like, you can't do this. You can't do this. I'm surprised they didn't, to be honest. Right? Oh, because that would just be one a bridge too far. They might have in an earlier draft. I bet. I mean, I bet. I, I bet in an earlier draft, everyone died. Like, <laughs> they get back to the cabin to find Everyone's out that frozen like, to death. Yeah, Willie didn't open the flue, so the fire just backed up and killed them all with carbon monoxide oh, or something. No. You know. <laughs> uh, and I gotta say, after all this, when they were in the truck again, uh, yeah, am I jump? I don't want to jump too far ahead. Not too. I mean, uh, we're left to assume George gets to the elevator, and Alf manages to sneak back onto his little sleigh there because we see George now in his non-Santa civilian clothes exiting the hospital only to be stopped by the doctor who opened the envelope before Christmas and is concerned about the amount of a check that appears to be a very large round Uh, non-round number sum that appears to be his entire life savings mm -hmm. and if you hadn't been picking up on the subtle hints of what's coming next that's your biggest clue followed probably by the fact that the name George Foley is just a syllable away from George Bailey Oh, yeah, how about that? Because next, uh, pulled straight from It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. right down to the similar-looking bridge, George stops his truck and prepares to jump. Yeah, honestly, after it was revealed that, uh, you know, the doctor revealed that he was essentially headed towards suicide and really didn't do much to stop George or comfort him at that time. He's just like, this looks suspicious. And George is like, hey, what can you do? I'm off to go jump off a bridge room and drives off. I, I With the tone of the show up to this point, I kind of expected George to just drive the whole truck off a cliff. Like, yeah, just yeah, just like take Alf out. Like I said, I really was looking for a much darker ending. Uh, just just drive off a cliff. Alf's dead. George is dead. <laughs> you know, the family's asphyxiated in the cabin. Um, but yeah, a real uh, George Bailey moment. We get to see Alf come out and, you know, say, don't kill yourself or something like that. What, what then happens? <laughs> well, he figures out what's going on faster than we did because he's in George's full Santa suit telling him not to do it. Uh, right. And and George recognizes him as that funny-looking toy that's been following him around all day. And Alf comes right out and says he's an alien from another planet. Well, George just rebukes this as a hallucination. But for some reason, he pauses long enough to consider that Alf in the Santa suit might be the real, true St. Nicholas. And sure. ask why he's bothering him. Shouldn't you be out delivering toys? And Alf improvises and says, You think that's a one-man job? In the old days, maybe. But now I'm a, I'm an executive Santa. I have to delegate responsibility to people like you. Why me? Who better than you? You made it possible for Brian Tanner to experience a Christmas like the one his father's remembered his whole life. You brought toys to the hospital. And you brought a smile to the face of a dying child. Whether you know it or not, George, you've been making other people happy all your life. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good way of talking someone down off of a, a bridge, literally off of a bridge. Yeah. Uh, but think about this. Think about, think about this actual scenario and what's happening. Uh, and you, you come out and a guy's going to jump and you're like truthfully saying, I'm an alien. And then the person <laughs> who's about to jump is like, well, I'm not going to believe that. 
but I'm pretty sure you're Santa Claus. Like that <laughs> is not, that is no sort of logic sense that should have worked, but it, you know, it, it played off, but it really doesn't make me feel better about the mental state of George. I have to say at uh, that point, like, I'm glad he's not going to kill himself, but I think he should still get checked out. Yeah. Well, yeah. he says, if, if you're really Santa, you'd know why I can't go on. And here's the line that convinces George to step down and carry on. Margaret is gone. I'm sorry. You feel like you lost your whole world. Believe me, I can relate. But you have unfinished business here. There are people you're leaving behind who still need you. And if you know anything about Christmas, George, you'd know this. Christmas is not about what you can get, but what you can give of yourself. A little girl taught me that not so long ago, and I don't know where she got it. You're a good man, Foley, and I can't afford to lose you. So let's get this truck on the road. Come on, got things to do. And 10-year-old me was probably bawling his eyes out inconsolably over the emotion and the fear of death. My mom probably had to put me to bed. Uh, yeah. You know, and that was and that's probably why I don't remember the very ending of this, nor most of this 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 movie. I do. I was seven, so I remember mm. maybe tiny bits and pieces. I remember there was a sick girl. I remember there was Santa Claus who was standing on top of a bridge. Uh, I, maybe mm. I don't remember that. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's <laughs> I, all fuzzy. I, yeah, but I it all came back much much later in my twenties when someone. Uh, had brought that to my attention. It was just like, oh dear, I don't remember all of these sads. Yeah. This is, boy. I gotta say, so this one's like right up there with Rudolph for good time fun when it comes to Christmas. Wee. Oh. Well, George asks where to next. He comes down from the bridge and Alf directs him back to the cabin and to appease the reformed George who still thinks he's the real Santa, he enters via chimney to the Tanner surprise and relief. But George just drops him off and George just says, oh, you know, I always wanted to see how you go down that chimney. And so George just sits out in the car and watches Alf climb the building and then go into the chimney. George never comes in, never says hi to the Tanners. He just drives off and we're assuming that an intervention by St. Nicholas on a bridge at the moment before suicide is enough to set George straight and that he won't get home. And in a couple hours after having, uh, you know, a couple, uh, eggnogs be like, Oh man, I must've been hallucinating. My life really is going even worse. Like what happens after George just walks away? I would rather have had George, I don't know, like come back and be like, you know what? I want to spend the holidays with you, but I know you can't do that. Cause there's an alien there. And like, that would blow the whole cover, but I just, the hospital. Does he? Yeah, at the very end, you see uh, the Tanner show up at the hospital to oh, deliver okay. Tiffany a message and mm. a thanks from a mutual friend who she figures it out. But they're like, shh, shh. But George is there, like, on the floor fixing something. Oh, oh, right. Okay, yeah. And he, yep. Yeah. Okay, I remember. I'm sorry about that. No, yeah. 
Willie tells him they can't accept the gift that he gave them earlier, which ended up being the deed to the cabin. Mm, Um, Yeah, which Willie also opened before Christmas. So everyone's opening these envelopes before Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they're the type of family who opens up presents on Christmas Eve. Well, they already did, so they might as well. It's just like, well... But George plays it off this time like a tax problems, eh? I'll mm. tell you what, I'll hang on to this and I'll invite you all back next year. So, Which is so weird because George is like, oh, haha, I'm going to make a joke about you can't accept it because of tax problems. But really what I'm saying is the subtext is I'm not going to kill myself anymore, so I'll take my <laughs> cabin back. Thank you. So weird. So weird. So weird. Happy yeah. enough ending for them, I guess. Uh, I guess. And then it's just uh, Tiffany looking out the window at Alf in the car, and they're just like waving at each other for like five minutes straight. <laughs> That's where our roller coaster of emotions comes to a very slow and complete stop. Yeah. I, that almost felt like we were watching it as it was being created live. For us, where it was like, and Tiffany waves and Alf waves, and the whole writer's room is like, wait, how do we get out of this? We know she's terminal, Alf's there, they're just going to wave. And so as they're trying to figure it out, the two actors are just still like waving at each other, being like, are you going to drop the curtain or what? Is this over? Is there more to this? No, you hang up. Yeah. It was so weird. (laughs) So weird. A dying girl says goodbye to her best friend in real time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and the fact that Alf would be her best friend, that's double sad. Well, yeah. She'll that was a good willy just right there. That was a really good willy. Wow. <laughs> you did. You nailed it. Well, she'll be back. <laughs> well, Jeff, I don't have anything to add to you. I am exhausted. <laughs> by, I like watching this was, I mean, shocking to me. Like, it, it it was kind of like uh you know when when a friend of yours falls down uh mm-hmm. and you just like you see that it's a tragedy and you just start laughing about it <laughs> but then you didn't realize that there's actually now a bone protruding from his arm or something oh, so it was like that where it was so tragic that i was laughing at it and it wasn't until the end where i was like oh my god this was really awful and then knowing that I would have to dredge all this back up again when we talked about it on the podcast, that's the part that hurt the most, honestly, was having to go through it all again. Well, I'm sorry. No, I wouldn't change a thing. And thank you for trudging through this one with me. I'm glad we made it to something close enough to a happy ending here. Did you know how terrible this was going to be when when you assigned this to me? I sure did. Oh, you did? You jerk. <laughs> I needed someone. You mentioned it on Twitter, something about the whole Alf. thing with Alf and his real name, but everybody's calling him Alf. You look like an Alf. That's so true. Like, All right. I got my guy. Oh, man. I'm I already, sorry. I, I ever made that I at least one joke. person say, nope, I'm out. So, <laughs> so you, you had to find a sucker. One. Yeah, you had to find a sucker who didn't remember it. And I'm glad I could be that sucker. I mean – Look, I'm glad I was traumatized by this uh, I, and, and talking about it with you. It's almost like therapy. So I think I'm, I think I'm much better now. Yeah, yes. thank you. No, I absolutely am using this as therapy. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Westfall, thank you so much. Indeed. And speaking of suckers, if people want to deck your remote cabin with boughs of poison oak, Jeff, they're probably not going to be able to find you online there because the reception stinks. But uh, once they get back to somewhere resembling civilization, where are you on the Internet? 
Uh, you find me on Twitter at SummerJam, S-O-M-M-E-R-J-A-M. And thanks to you for listening. If you've made it this far, you can follow along at adventcalendar.house. We're on Twitter at adventcalhouse. I know we've had our fun talking about how depressing it was. If you have not seen this special, you guys really should. It is it is worth sitting through once. Uh, it's 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 so unique for a Christmas special uh, that just as a as a case study of what not to do. <laughs> case study is a really appropriate word. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. What about what about you? Do you think people should watch this or just like nah? It's probably best not to. I would absolutely recommend it with that warning that this is going to get heavy really mm. fast. Yeah. Like, not at the beginning, but then all of a sudden you're there and it's just like, what happened? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, definitely a thumbs up. Give it a watch. That's, Indeed. that's what Yeah. Awesome. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. How dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit christmaspodcastnetwork.com. We're the elves from Tis the Podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And Tis the Podcast is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Join us each week as we rank, review, and discuss all your favorite Christmas movies and television shows. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes it's a verbal brawl. But each and every week is guaranteed to be fun. Come join us. Next time on the season finale of the Advent Calendar House. Here comes Santa, girls and boys. So who needs that big red noise? I'll tell him where to put his toys. I hate Christmas. And if you want the truth, I ain't so crazy about that.